Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We're going to discuss the non-contradiction episode. Yeah. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so you, you amazing, amazing leader, you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan. Here with my co-host, the coolest, the most amazing man with a beard, Pastor Joel Swakowski. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What do you think about that episode, Pastor Joel? That was great. Yeah, I thought, actually, I thought it was very clean. Very, it felt snappy. I'm not entirely sure how long it was, but it felt really, really clean, really clear. I feel great about it. Yeah, when we cover these, um, you know, these tools for determining truth, they're so foundational. Yeah. That it's almost hard to define what it is that they are. You know what I mean? Like I do like define right. Exactly. What is right? right? Define what is fair without you using know? it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's there... when things are right. You know, you know what I mean? You know, you how do you want to define these terms? You want to start by saying, "Well, you know what I mean." It means, you know, you know. You know, a contradiction. You know what right. I'm saying? It means like when something's contradictory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's when something's wrong. (laughs) Right. Right? But then we're going deeper is what's the measure of something being wrong? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So can you give us the overview of the strict and loose side of this topic? Yeah. So the strict side is people who they, they definitely recognize contradictions don't exist, but their method of embracing the principle of non-contradiction is to put that on others. Yeah. So it's the it's the boss mentality, the the religious authorities that are using their position to entitle them to show everybody where they're wrong without embracing where they're wrong themselves. Mm. Or the loose side or the freedom side are people who are just embracing contradictions or maybe even are okay with or believe that contradictions do exist due to the complexity of understanding some of these high level concepts like who is god what is salvation what's god's will what is truth etc yeah so i have a couple different things i want to talk about awesome so, you know, I say you can't have your cake, you need it too. Like, that's a pretty simple contradiction, right? Right. So, meaning I can't eat cake and have more cake at the same time. Once you eat it, it's not there anymore. Right. Yeah. What about something like a miracle where Jesus is breaking bread and handing it out? How, how does that work? Or the oil in the Bible that never ran dry. Where it's like you're pouring it, th- this woman uses it, and it's still there. It seems like it's almost like a co- like that is a contradiction. So how would you basically sort that out, like those stories, and say because contradiction? What you say is contradictions don't exist, right? So, right. but that moment did happen. So what we're saying is that moment did happen but it seems like it's contradictory. So 
How do <laughs> yeah. you understand this? Because because basically what I hear you saying is, I mean, if the miracle of feeding the 5,000 was cake, then it sounds like they did have their cake and eat it too. It really does sound like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the contradiction is, is that it's if it's cake, then it's Yeah, just cake. You can't have cake and eat <laughs> just cake. Just in the context of cake. Yeah. But that, that I'm glad you brought up context because what we're talking here with you can't have your cake and eat it too is it is it's tangible and it's metaphorical. It's it is a physical representation of a spiritual truth. So I would say this contradictions don't exist in reality. And what we're talking about here, we also have to we also have to recognize we're trying to determine truth here and truth is intangible. And even reality is based in spiritual intangible causes. So just like when we talked about the Bible, I, I shared a story about pastor Jake in a, in season three, I think maybe during the doctrine episode. And he was sharing a story with me about a, a young man, he was helping understand the Bible better. And this, this man said to J- to pastor Jake, there's contradictions all over the Bible. And every time that we meet, I'm going to bring you more and more of them to get resolution. Mm-hmm. And Jake was frustrated because he's like, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. This guy's just being a pain in the butt. And I said, here's my first step. Just agree with them. Yep. There's contradictions in what the Bible says. Not in the how and why, especially okay. not in the doctrine. Okay. Not in the principles that are underlying, that are true regardless of the context. So when we're talking about contradictions not existing, in reality, where that starts, the foundation of that is in the intangible spiritual causes. So even Jesus's ability to multiply the bread and the fish is due to spiritual causes that are happening. All miracle miracles are supernatural events. They're not unnatural events. An unnatural event would be something that is contradictory. Like in a fantastical or magical based movie where all of a sudden it's time to eat and somebody waves a magic wand and poof, there's food on the table. That came from nowhere. The food that Jesus multiplied came from somewhere. Mm. The bread and the fish existed and he multiplied what was there. He made what was there more abundant. And Jesus was always first focused on the spiritual causes anyways. So that would be my way to resolve that. It's like, I'm not going to be able to sit here and explain to you the intricacies of what happened for Jesus to be able to feed 5,000 people? Like the, like we, we don't know the molecule, like how the molecules were moving in a miracle and stuff like that. Right. I don't know that, but I do know the manner in which Jesus performed that miracle and all his miracles, even from water into wine was water into wine. It wasn't an empty barrel into wine. Nice. The oil, oil the oil was oil. there. Yeah. Right. So there, so it's supernatural. You take the natural and it becomes more natural, more. The principles that are in place in reality, the principles that exist 
especially righteousness and justice, mm-hmm. exist whether we recognize them or not. And these principles that exist in reality, the spiritual concepts that exist in reality, when miracles happen, are still none of those things are being violated. Right. Where something contradictory is trying to violate those principles that are the mechanism in which existence works. Yeah. That's That's why it's like God can't violate someone's free will. That's a contradiction. What we're saying by that is that would violate the mechanisms that are in place in order for existence to actually exist for the world to be here to, for the world to exist for God's will to happen. These print, there are principles or mechanisms in place that cannot be contradicted. And for, I mean, righteousness and justice are the perfect ones. That's where it's like every contradiction we go back to when we're dealing with God the first thing that you and I do, Pastor Jonathan, is we are first going back to, is this just? Nice. Right, we don't even yeah. go, is this right and just? We just go right to justice. Mm. Why? Because justice is the mechanism in which God moves. Yeah. So if God is moving or interacting with the world, it's based in justice. Of course, it's right and just, but it's the justice is the mechanism in which God moves for or against or not at all. So when a miracle happens... It must be just. It would be unjust for hungry people, the 5,000 following Jesus, for Jesus to just pray or wave a magic wand, if you will. And all of a sudden, these people go from not hungry to, or from hungry to not hungry. Why didn't he just do that? It would be to save a lot of time if Jesus could just be like, snap his fingers and now no one's hungry anymore. Right. But it would violate justice. These people have, there is this interdependence here that we have to be a part of. We have to eat the food. So Jesus took something that existed and made more of it. He didn't say take something that didn't exist and then poof it into existence. Nice. Well, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just thinking about this oil and the bread and all of this. I mean, one of the principles that is, in, in place is, is replication. Yeah. You know, things, things can rep replicate cells can replicate. Right. So, so what is Jesus maybe just facilitating that at a faster speed? Right. Where but whatever, there is a yeah. natural progression that's happening that doesn't get violated. It just gets sped up quantitatively and qualitatively for something supernatural to happen. So really, when we're talking about having your cake and eating it too, or you can't have your cake and eat it too, it's more you can't eat a piece of cake and that same piece of cake not be eaten. That would violate the principle of non-contradiction. But you can eat a piece of cake and the rest of the cake can increase. We can reap. So somebody gets healed. What's happening? Yeah, it is. It's like those, those are, those cells are being healed, like replicated or sped right. up. Maybe immediately. But what's happening is there's nothing, nothing within your body's being violated. 
it's the, your body's already working to heal whatever the thing is in you. That's, that's broken. Mm-hmm. Remember the difference between a live body and a dead body is a live body will repair itself to some extent. Yeah. What these healings are doing is just speeding up that process hmm. supernaturally. Hmm. A miracle is something supernatural happening. And that's where, unfortunately, a lot of miracles that happen because they do still operate according to natural means are able to be rationalized away after the fact. No, that wasn't a miracle. Because I can explain, I could look into your body and I can see this thing, this thing, this thing happened, this thing happened, this thing happened. It's like, yeah, because God doesn't violate the natural order of things. So many miracles are happening and we are rationalizing them away and not giving God the credit for them because we are able to explain the natural order of how these miracles may have happened. Once again, proving the biggest support for God moving is when we can't understand it, when it's unexplainable. Nice. Like that is so flawed and that is hurting so many people. Yeah. That the only way God gets glory is if it's something not of him at all. I can't explain it. It's contradictory. Then I give God credit. Oh, I think he's grieved over that. Yeah. That's a great point. And this did turn philosophical, didn't it? Holy cow. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I've just been thinking about that. That's great. So that's so a great question. You, you, you answered one of my questions in terms of how do you resolve contradictions in the Bible? Cause I think our, our listeners are definitely, especially in the music of life church podcast, these are, Bible believing people who want to help other people, you know, uh, with the Bible and the word of God. But when someone says that the Bible is contradictory, you can say, yeah, you can agree with them. You can agree with your adversary who says that quickly and say, yeah, yeah, it is contradictory in what it says, but not in the how and the why. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, a classic contradiction is no one has seen God's face yet. Moses was face to face with God. Right. What does that mean? First, we have to do, we have to get to the cause. What does these mean? That's so the first time you see a contradiction, because I could even argue, well, the Bible doesn't even really contradict itself in what it says. Like, yeah, you can agree with somebody, but if you have the right how and why behind these seeming contradictions in the what, the effect is the contradiction is resolved. Right. So Jesus says, um, you know, the Bible used to say eye for an eye. I say, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. What he's saying sounds contradictory. When you get to the how and why, he's really embracing justice as is the law eye for an eye. He's just showing us a different manner in which we can embrace justice in the long term. But nice. either way, it resolves the contradiction then, right? And now we're, and now the result is, oh, Jesus isn't, it isn't even contradicting itself in the what Jesus is. It's just a different application. So with, uh, and and honestly, I don't feel comfortable speaking about the face to face thing unless I have the verses in front of me. Well, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great way to handle addressing contradictions to begin with (laughs) is it's like, if that's your first step, you know, you want to go to the passage and we need to find out what the passage says, because right. that's a lot of how contradictions get, you know, developed in the, in, in people's arguments is they misquote what it is that the actual verse states. 
And you talk about that a lot where you're like, no, we need to go past what it says to what is the context and what does it mean? Right. What does the word face mean in this passage or that passage? Because the Bible's getting translated from Greek or Hebrew into English. And that, that there can be seeming contradictions in the way that things have been translated Absolutely. by men. Right. So for you to literally go, I don't feel comfortable speaking about this until I have the verses in front of me, I feel like is really good for our listeners to help people go, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you, what verse are you quoting? What are you trying to find? Let's go to that. Let's go to the scripture together. That should be, even if it, cause I, cause I do feel like I can answer the question, but I don't feel comfortable doing so, especially with the responsibility of teaching Nice. And having other people hear my answer without, without having these verses in front of me, because I've seen so much damage done by people just trying to teach the Bible based in memory and seeing, Mm. seeing the result that they remembered it wrong or are quoting it wrong. And yeah. So my, my point is even if you do feel confident in answering someone's question about a seeming contradiction in the Bible, the first step is always a good idea to open the Bible. Even if you think you have it memorized, open it anyways. The other person might not have it memorized. And it's just going to, for me, it just removes a thought. I'm not worried about, am I getting this right or not? So that would be my answer to you. I could go through other, other examples, but, but that one, I mean, do you want to, do you want to, no, find it no, that's fine. That's it? honestly that that's more of what I, what I wanted to say anyway, is I want to know how you resolve contradictions in the Bible. Yeah. Well, that's my first step is open the Bible. And then second step is to start in the, here's a, here's a, a one step you can take once you have the Bible open if you're dealing with contradictions and we know contradictions don't exist, check your premises. Hmm. Now, what that means is your interpretation of one, you're comparing a verse to another verse, right? Yep. You're comparing this experience Moses had where he saw God face to face to this other verse that says anybody who sees the face of God's going to die, right? We're comparing and contrasting those two things because there's a seeming contradiction there. My interpretation of one of what of one of those verses must be wrong. Because we know the Bible doesn't contradict itself. There's a conflict in what we're reading. To resolve that conflict or to resolve that seeming contradiction, we need to go to the meaning behind those words. And through that, we'll end up finding out where we were wrong, where, or in other words, where we were contradicting ourselves. Another question I have for you is how do you find contradictions in your beliefs? What helps you to expose those contradictions? Because obviously the journey to become more right involves us finding out where we're wrong. It's kind of this backwards step uh, to be more right we need to be essentially be more wrong first yeah it is it is 
it seems counterintuitive, but it's very productive, actually. Well, I have an awesome set of friends and fellowship and pastors and mentors in my life who I've given permission to confront me. But I also want to say it's not their responsibility to be the person accountable for when I'm wrong. They love me by showing me where I'm wrong. I've invited them to do so, but it is my job and my responsibility to stand before God with how I've responded to when I'm wrong. I can't say in response to being wrong in an area, well, Jonathan didn't show me that yet. Right. I can thank you every time you show me where I'm wrong but I can't put that responsibility on you. None of us can stand before God and say, the devil made me do it. No, we can't. So one of the things I do, I mean, the the more and more I learn and and read and study the word of God, and, and when I have these questions of, you know, we play the hooray, I'm wrong again game and that you invented at Music Life Church you know, reading the scriptures, trying to find contradictions in my own belief. That's a great way to do it just through understanding. But I think one of the more powerful ways is when you start getting in tune with your unconscious brain. What we've learned through the depression episode, what we learned through the thought process episodes we've done is the unconscious brain cannot work according to contradictions. It's like throwing a wrench in your engine. It just seizes up. Yeah. But maybe not even that extreme it's it's more you we it's called depression because there is a pressure on your energy a lowering of your energy trying to slow down the engine so it doesn't overheat so it doesn't break so thank god for these symptoms we receive when we have contradictions so here's the things i look out for pastor jonathan yeah if i feel unsettled mm. or if i feel frustrated or if I feel anxious, or if I'm having a hard time sleeping. Sometimes even if I have a headache. And I think we've shared this before, but one of the things I find fascinating is how a lot of people in our community have learned this principle of non-contradiction well enough and have learned the symptoms of what happens to our thought process when we have contradictions well enough, where when people get sick, or have headaches. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in our community whose first response is to ask, hmm, do I have a contradiction? Right. <laughs> Which I think is really healthy. But it's my so point cool. is I'm trying, so through understanding, I'm just, I'm trying to learn more and more. And by, by learning more, it's not just an accumulation of facts or information. It's also learning more and more of where, where am I wrong in what I already believe? So do I know what I believe first and foremost, why I believe it? And now I actually have something to work with. And in my journey of studying from this point forward can be attacking my own beliefs of trying to find the areas where I have holes or gaps in my knowledge. Nice. That's all through understanding. Yeah. Through experience is going to be when I'm wrong, admit it. Yep. Or when I'm feeling tweaky or I'm feeling unsettled or I'm having a hard time sleeping, 
What I might need to do is take the responsibility and talk it out. Call a friend, say, I'm feeling this way. I don't know why. And, and start figuring out there's what it probably is, is there's probably some area in my life where I'm treating somebody or I'm handling some situation in a way that is different or contradicts the way I want to be treated. And it's causing my thought process to just flare all these symptoms out at me for my benefit. Yeah. So that'd be the way is really through understanding experience. It's either, you know, studying more, not only to gain information, but to prove the information I already have wrong through experience is really just how do I handle when I'm wrong? And also how do I handle these tweaky feels that I get, you know, trying to be more in tune with the way God created our thought process and taking some of these symptoms, treating them like they are symptoms. There's something deeper going on here. The depression isn't the issue itself. There's something deeper than that. The anxiety, the frustration, the unsettled feeling I have isn't the issue itself. There's something deeper going on. And usually when we have these negative type symptoms, it's because there's something not working the way it's meant to work in our mm-hmm. thought process. Excellent. Great answer. Awesome. Well, let's look at the three categories of people, how you look at the church, Pastor Joel, according to their self-esteem. So can you bring us through those categories again? Sure thing. So the people that I feel sorry for are people with low self-esteem and these people are depressed. You know, they, they have contradictions and they don't want to deal with them. They don't want to deal with the tension of the contradictions. And unfortunately they get depressed and they oftentimes are the people who are even going to rationalize their depression is just, it's part of who they are. That's one of the things we see with the low self-esteem people is they're oftentimes equating their identity with some symptom outside of themselves. How would you help someone from low self-esteem to mid self-esteem in this area? Well, I'd confront, I'd, I'd confront them unconsciously. Really. It's the indirect questions we're asking these people. We're not necessarily saying to them, Hey, you have a bunch of contradictions you need to fix. It's the, it's the questions we do, like when, how would you handle people on the loose side of the argument? Nice. It's the, do you like feeling this way? Are you happy? What are you planning on doing? Like, what's your plan to, to undo this depression? Yeah. Then the mid self-esteem, you know, we, we see people grow to the point where they, they know being in a bad situation is not for their benefit. So they remove themselves what's the bad situation that they're in, in this context, it's being in church and having the religious authorities, not only preach contradictions, but rationalize away that it's okay because God's a mystery. So these people are looking for help. So the difference between a big difference between the low and mid self-esteem people is the mid self-esteem people have taken upon themselves, the responsibility of getting help. The frustration comes with these people is, when they're not given the answers they need in order Mm -hmm. to actually make progress due to the contradictions. Mm -hmm. So what do they leave? Well, they do, they leave. It's like, well, I'm going to go somewhere else and find other answers. And unfortunately 
when the church has failed time and time again, these people end up leaving the church completely and going and finding a lot of times really flawed answers similar to the church, just in the secular world that just takes these people down. You wonder how many people at mid self-esteem eventually end up low self-esteem instead of rising to the high self-esteem. Right. You know, cause the, the difference then, how would I help someone at mid self-esteem? I'm going to teach them God's nature. I'm going to teach them what their responsibility is to salvation. And I'm going to teach them who they are uniquely. And then I'm going to watch that person just take off. Because if they left the church because of all these contradictions, then maybe resolving contradictions right. is going to bring them back. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tackle the three biggest contradictions that I've seen people deal with. And it's, why are we all here? What's my role in that? And what happens after I die? Nice. And, <laughs> you know, we can answer That's those awesome. questions with God's yeah. nature, salvation, and uniqueness. Wow. And then the, the key to building your self-esteem is, remember, it's confidence in who God created you to be. So I need to know who I am and I need to know who God is. And salvation is kind of the bridge between those two things. Right? Beautiful. So the more I practice that, the closer I'll get to and eventually will re- will enter into the high self-esteem level. And we know people at high self-esteem, they understand who God created them to be. They live it out and they know a contradiction doesn't, they don't take a contradiction personally because they know that even their beliefs are not who they are. And if you show me where a contradiction is in my belief system, you're really just showing me an area where I can get better. Amazing. And finally, can you remind us of the ultimate answer? Yeah. Contradictions do not exist in reality. Conflicts do. Now I'll go through the definition one more time. Yes, please. We've seen what we said in the what the flock that the definition of a contradiction is anything that asserts or implies something as both fact and not a fact at the same time. Another way to say this would be a contradiction is when there is a direct opposition between things compared. I like the, I can't, I can be happy and sad at the same time. That's a conflict. I can't be happy and not happy at all at the same time that's a contradiction that's not possible great the thing with a a lot of times with people that have contradictions or they bring up biblical contradictions the fact is is that there's no amount of resolving that contradiction and the contradictions that are in the bible that are going to cause them to believe so them bringing up the fact that well i don't believe in this because there are contradictions, then if I were to respond and say, great, well, let me help you resolve all your contradictions so that you can believe, right? Oh, yeah, people, that's good. People will respond and be like, no, that's right. not at all what I'm going to do. Then it's like, well, well, then what is your point? Why are yeah. you bringing up these contradictions? To prove my beliefs wrong, right? Exactly. Yeah. Then you're on, then you are basically self-proclaimed strict side of the argument this is strict side of the argument that's great i've dealt with people like that before and i've learned i've dealt with people like that and have 
experience just removing contradiction after contradiction, contradiction, and nothing changes. Now, when I have an interaction with somebody like that, and I ask that question first, so if I remove all your contradictions, you'll believe you'll have a behavior change. It usually results in that meeting never taking place. Bingo. Proving again, like you said, they're on the strict side. Well, thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you. That's great. Thanks for answering all my questions. And thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.